Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 68 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choosing. Joining me tonight, back from his weekend off, my regular co-host, Stephen Cook Jr. III. Stephen, how are you tonight? Oh, hey, hey, hey. I had a nice little weekend off. As far as weekend off, I slept through part of the Royal Rumble. Through part of the show. I kind of, I kind of later eventually, of course, and I thought it was a pretty good show, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, good show overall. I enjoyed the Rumble. Uh, yeah, better than I thought, I think, going in overall. I think they did a lot of things right. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We do have, um, yeah. we're going to start off before we do our weekly reviews. We've got, got a little news roundup to take care of, Steve. And right. there's a lot of stuff going on in the world of wrestling, as always. The first thing we need to talk about, Andrade busted for a wellness suspension. Oh, Violation boy. of the WWE wellness policy, suspended for 30 days. <laughs> First of all, I think the thing to discuss is they found out about this, depending on who you believe, late Sunday, early Monday. He has a match with Humberto Carrillo on Raw. He, yeah. He beats him clean, and then they yeah. do an angle to quote-unquote write him out, Steve Cook. Was this <laughs> bullshit? Tells you something, right? Doesn't it tell you? Like, so, well, we want to punish him. We won't punish him that much because, well, you know, he might be a little connected to somebody. Let's be honest. He, they didn't want to punish him too much because he connects Charles Flair, right? Yeah, I mean, they didn't want they wanted the they wanted to stick to him a little bit, but not too much because he's connected to Charlotte. I mean, you know, it's one of those deals. One of those deals where somebody should be punished, but they're not punished that much. It was a bunch of bullshit, Larry Zonk. I'm not gonna lie. Not not great. Not a good piece of business. And it looks really bad if you're Umberto Carrillo. If you're supposed to be this guy, they're going to give a big push to. You can't beat the guy for title when he's getting pushed out on steroids or cocaine or whatever the fuck it was. Bad, bad look. Bad look, am I right? Yeah, I think it's complete bullshit. Like, the, the word going around is that, like, WWE felt it was too soon to put the belt on Creo. And here's my point. Okay. It, yeah, right. Well, here's my fucking point. I don't care if that's the case. If your plan is to eventually put the title on him and the dude with the title breaks your own fucking company rules, you <laughs> take the title off him. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. It's like, I don't care that they did an angle where they can write him out. And everybody's like, whoa, it's like he's only out for 30 days. Oh, great. What are they going to do? Put it on the fucking Saudi show and then Humberto wins when nobody's fucking watching that bullshit? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not. And, you know, you got Paul Heyman booking coming. It's like the first time that Paul Heyman had tried to switch switch out somebody that was uh, suspended for some kind of reason or another. It's not like it's the first time Paul Heyman take tell somebody for doing some drugs or something, right? Yeah, exactly. He's seen that before. He's seen that situation before. I mean, Raven had dropped out one time or another because due to some situations. These things happen. And I don't, th- I don't think anybody would have thought anything different otherwise. I don't, I don't think the average Raw viewer would have been pissed off if or otherwise objected to... Uh, this guy losing Tyler Umberto on the show. 
I just don't see. I don't see why that's a problem, unless they just don't buy into Umberto. Which I mean, honestly, I don't think Umberto is as good as Angel Garcia. No, he's he's not as good as Angel Garza. Excuse me, Angel Garza. Excuse me. And and honestly, I I like Umberto. He's not as good as Angel Garza, and he's definitely not as good as Andrade. But the fact is, like, the bottom line is Andrade fucked up. Okay. Yep. He fucked up. He broke the rules. You take the title off him. And if you want to take him out for giving an excuse for those 30 days, Humberto wins. You can have him cradle him and get the win out of nowhere. Andrade gets pissed, attacks him after the match. Humberto gets his revenge, takes him to the floor, beats his ass, lays him out with the DDT. Boom. That's why he's gone for 30 days. So not only does your baby face overcome and win the title, he gets his fucking revenge and you've written Andrade out. You serve all masters and you fucking move on. But instead, we got whatever the fuck happened on Monday night. <laughs> got a bunch of bullshit is what we got. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. So. Bad move on my part. Yeah. I just, I don't I don't see it. Not a fan of that move it. at all, dude. Hate it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Bad move. Bad um, move. So, uh, we're I sw- know you have to protect, uh, uh, you got to protect Andrade because of who he's with. His fuck whole situation there. Well, the Royal Rumble winner, good sir. Fuck off with Lady Big Dog and her Rumble win. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. You know, so. She's got some stroke around here. To be the man, you got to beat the man or woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, let's move on to something else. Move on to a little AEW talk. Uh, yeah. Word is that uh, Lance Archer, New Japan Pro Wrestling, is in deep talks with possibly signing with AEW Wrestling. Yes. Uh, Lance Archer is coming off his career best year overall. He had a excellent year in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Some great G1 matches. Excellent match with Will Ospreay. Did some really good stuff with Moxley. Had the Wrestle Kingdom match. Um, it was a great year for him. But as many people learned in his interview with 411mania.com, which you can listen to here on the 411 Podcasting Network, it yeah. was uh, learned and Lance admitted himself that uh, he was on a per-appearance deal and did not have a contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which when I found out, out I thought was a horrible idea. <laughs> because I don't care that he's like 42 and that he's coming off that back surgery. The dude just had a career year, and you're telling me that with ROH throwing money around and Impact trying to get people and AEW looking to sign people and WWE signing everybody under the sun that people weren't going to be after that dude following his year. So first, Steve Cook, Lance Archer to AEW, I think a lot of people feel this would be a good move because a lot of people think AEW needs some bigger guys. Lance is obviously coming off a career best year, as I said. What do you think of this possible move, and do you think it's happening? I mean, uh, from what I saw from from Lance Archer this past year in New Japan Pro Wrestling, he was pretty awesome. That match with him and Will Ospreay, that is one of the best matches of uh, 2019. Just some great stuff right there. He did a lot of good stuff in G1 as well. Just, I mean, it's amazing to think, you you know, you mean Larry Zonka. We saw this guy back in the day when he was Dallas hanging out with Kid Cash, right? You remember that the was, Kid Cash That was Dallas? the original incarnation of him in TNA, yeah. You remember that? You remember the, him, the, those guys hanging out, and he was the guy, tall guy, six foot seven, six foot eight. He had the, the old uh, tramp stamp tattoo. <laughs> it wasn't too good. Not a great look, and he worked his way through that. Worked his way through TNA. 
And uh, he just went through things for years and years. And I saw him these years like, like, oh, my God, this guy's great. He did a lot of good stuff this year. And, uh, yeah, definitely AEW needs some guys who are taller. Some guys who are taller and who are heavier. So I think he'd be a great fit with that promotion. And uh, I don't know about the whole situation with the contracts and whatnot. I don't know. He has his story. I'm sure they have their story. It's a whole thing. But I'd be all about seeing Lance Archer all over AEW or anywhere else in 2020. Because that guy has some stuff to give right now. Yeah, I think New Japan made a mistake because, first of all, you go back to the Dallas show last year where he had that Osprey match, which was excellent. It was a great um, match. The thing was, is he was a big part of the local promotion for that show. And he was guy, yeah. he, he was earmarked to be one of the bigger singles guys in the New Japan USA shows because he's based in the United States. He could do promotional work and he had a great year. So sure. I think it was a mistake not tying him up to a contract in that regard. Plus, you just look at the year he had. The guy was delivering more than anybody expected. Everybody thought he was going to be dead weight when Davey Boy Smith Jr. left because Killer Elite Squad was dead. And it turned yeah. out to be the best thing for both guys because Davey Boy Smith is doing really well in MLW. Lance yep. Archer had a great year in New Japan. So it worked out best for both of those guys. I think it was a grave error by New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I think it was just poor planning, short-sightedness overall. Um, I think he would definitely be a great addition to AEW. As we saw in matches like with Moxley, he can do a great brawling heavyweight style. He's still that was a good match on the Wrestle Kingdom show. Yes, yeah. it was. And yeah. he's still athletic enough that he can work with guys like a Will Ospreay. And there are guys like Will Ospreay, not up to Will Ospreay's level, but there are guys in, like Will Ospreay, like a Phoenix and a Kenny Omega and guys like that, that he can work with and probably have some really great matches with. Um, and I think he would be, he's a great big man. He was like all through the G1. I was like, this is what they wanted fall a to be yeah. like, like a believable big guy <laughs> that like you can believe in and he could have some quality matches. Cause if That's I'm going to be honest, Fale's only good matches in new Japan were with Tanahashi, Nakamura, Ibushi and Okada. Osprey, okay, yeah, Osprey, and Ibushi. You know, those are some pretty good yeah. compare. There's pretty good wrestlers right there. Even have good matches with a guy. I mean, good lord, I could have good matches with these guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, I could like, stumble into a ring of good matches with the guys. I could. The thing is, too, is though those weren't even great matches. They were like very good at best. Even yeah. even Ibushi and Osprey had trouble with him because Fale sure. is generally fucking useless. But Lance yeah. Archer was the, that kind of monster dude that people could believe in he could have the quality matches he could be a champion as we saw and it's just i think it's a mistake by them i think it would be a really good pickup for AEW. and again we don't know and this isn't so much of an age thing it's like when i talked about with sheamus last week you don't know how much longer archer's gonna have because he right. is 42 43 it's but, an amazing thing he's been around for a long time yeah. it's it doesn't feel like it but he has been around for a long yeah. time and it's not the age that concerns me it's just the fact that he was lucky that he came back after that back surgery and ended up doing the best work of his career yeah and you, you never know when guys have a back injury when that might go again well I bumps on the on that body right there yeah. Exactly. But I mean, sure. if you're AEW and you can like lock in Lance Archer for a year, get a good year out of him, and then sure. like do an option. Sign him up. Yeah. I'm all about that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Archer. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I do think it would be a very positive signing for them 
We'll see what happens. But if he ends up leaving, I do think that while not a major loss for New Japan, it is a loss yeah. for New Japan because he was a quality dude on that roster. And I think they could do a lot with him still. Good to have in those G1 tournaments or in the, the tag team tournaments or wherever you might have. Yeah. Absolutely. He's a, he's a good a good deaf guy, I think you could say. Good deaf guy to have for these tournaments or for whatever. Yeah. And definitely for, for AEW, a, a, a promotion that's kind of liking like tall guys, be, he'd be great for them. Exactly. He'd be great for them. So that's why WWE should be like throwing all kinds of money at the guy, right? Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> Yeah, that's why WWE should be throwing like $15 million to the guy just to keep him away for those guys. It yeah. might happen. We'll see. So I, I like Lance Archer a lot. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed his uh, 2019. And um, we'll see what he happens. He was one of my favorite guys in that G1. I mean, he was just I, – I really liked him. I thought that match with Osprey is really great. He kind of reined Osprey in. You know, you know Osprey likes to do some crazy stuff and whatnot and some stuff doesn't make much sense and – I think working with uh, Archer kind of reined him in a little bit. Yeah, I think that's fair. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I really enjoyed him. So we'll stick with AEW for a little bit more. Uh, re- the, the big rumors are Brian Cage done with Impact Wrestling. He has to have bicep surgery. He's got to, yeah, that's not, that's not good. Yeah, and so that's going to take him out for a while. But yeah. according to all reports, he is AEW bound. Um, obviously he was a main eventer for impact wrestling, so it will be a loss for them. I mean, I know the impact hive mind fans are saying, fuck Brian cage. He left us, but here's the thing. I mean, dude's probably trying to make money. Um, he wants on national TV and no offense to access TV. They don't have big enough penetration compared to TNT. And, um, you know, my man's trying to make a little bit of money. He had a good, he had a good run in impact, but they are losing a main eventer. So that will hurt them. Um, it's going to be a while if he does show up in AEWC, but what are you thinking about Brian cage possibly coming to AEW? Uh, This is a, he is a guy. He looks like a main eventer. He works like a main eventer. He is a top notch guy. You know, we saw in Lucha underground too. We saw in Lucha underground, a couple of the, you know, triple A promotion. This is a guy that can work main event style, can be a top guy. You look at the guy, he looks like, he looks like a guy just kick your ass. Absolutely. Just uh, good guy. Just a good guy having the roster. And if he recovers from this injury, that's, that's a key. You know, if he recovers from the injury, you know, he's going to be great. But if he doesn't, then I don't know. It's a tough situation. I know, Gosh, I don't know what's going on with the whole impact thing with uh, him jumping out the RVD in like three seconds, where the hell that was going on. But uh, I'm a big cage guy. From what I've seen, he's very good. Very, I mean, he's a top guy. He looks like a guy that can be a, uh, you know, Joe Maven guy. Yeah, I like cage. He, he was obviously, as you mentioned, really good in Leech Underground, had a really good impact run overall, though he had some oh, yeah. injury problems. Um, the thing that I think is concerning from the outside looking in is that he just suffered a torn bicep and you go back and you look at a guy like Dave Batista who had several issues with that injury and I'm not alleging anything, but (laughs) when you have issues with muscle tears a lot, that is what a lot of people would call a steroid related injury. And let's face facts. Brian Cage is a large gentleman. Brian Cage is in fantastic shape. 
Very fantastic shape, yes. But Brian Cage has admitted to using certain things in the past. <laughs> it is what it is. So, yeah. and again, I'm not trying to bury the guy, but what I'm saying no, is... No, it is it, what it is. If I'm AEW, right. I'm a little concerned about this. Because Absolutely. what yeah, happens? Be. what happens if he comes back... You put him in and you start a big program. And what happens if he gets Dave Batista and he, he rips the bicep again? And then he's out for another nine months. That's why if you're AEW, you bring the guy in. You bring him for a title shot. And if things flow from there, they kind of, you, know, you don't lose too much. But you, you bring him in right, right away for a big title shot. I think it's what you give your AEW. And uh, you don't lose too much there. But, uh, yeah. I would that guess, cage, that guy, he's got a ridiculous physique too. He Good does, Lord. dude. He, I mean, and the guy, I like yeah. him a lot. He works really hard. The best ridiculous thing about him physique. is he's like, he's a tale of two performers in a way that he can be your big brooding powerhouse, but sure. he's also insanely athletic and he can work with pretty much anybody. Yeah. He and really he, can. he can mix in some shit that you would think he can't do. And, I mean, he's a very versatile guy, and when he works with the right people, he could definitely have some great matches. He had, in my opinion, the best impact match of the year with Michael Elgin last year. And mm. um, just I, he's, a, he's a guy that can deliver upper-tier stuff. I would be a little concerned health-wise, though, because he did have that back injury last year. Yeah. And then he has the torn bicep now. So I think, Things do start to add up, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Not getting any younger, a lot of muscle mass on that body, and it's just... A lot to be concerned about, I think, if you're AEW. But I'm not saying don't take a flyer on him, but I think you have to be careful. Yeah, I think you do take a flyer on him, and you can, put, you can do some things with him. You don't try to push him. I mean, a program with him and Jericho would be pretty good. Build to him for a program, for a title shot on pay-per-view. I think it'd be pretty good. I think it'd be pretty good stuff right there. So uh, we will go back to the Royal Rumble weekend, Steve, and... Yeah. The big news from the Royal Rumble is a couple things. First of all, your thoughts Charlotte winning the Women's Royal Rumble. <laughs> uh, kind of a is kind of a predictable outcome to be honest with you because if you're Charlotte Flair, if you're the son, if you're the daughter of uh, Wu, Nature Boy Rick Flair, it's going to happen at some point or another that you would uh, become the first uh, father-daughter combination win the Royal Rumble. Absolutely. Not a surprise as far as that goes. But then you kind of think, oh, gosh, who do you have a wrestle? I mean, you got Becky as a Raw Women's Champion. Can you have another Becky Charlotte match? I just don't think that really works. I, we've seen Becky Charlotte time and time again. I just don't think that works. I have no desire to see it. No, exactly. I mean, it'll probably be a good match, but I have no desire to see it. And then on the SmackDown side, you got uh, ba- you got Bailey. Which I don't want to see Bailey or Charlotte. I don't want to see them against each other either. So I have seen this uh, kind of pitch on some websites. I've seen some people think that this is going to happen. I think the best thing that Charlotte could do here, as far as being the Royal Rumble winner, as far as challenging a uh, women's champion uh, going to WrestleMania, I would like to see Charlotte against Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. I would like to see that. Yeah, I'd like to see Charlotte put Rhea over, and I, I think I'd be, I think I'd be the best potential outcome for everybody involved. I think it'd be good stuff. Yeah, that was Kevin's big pitch on Sunday night that he yeah. wasn't overly thrilled with her winning for the same reasons as us that like 
Not really yeah. interested in the Becky match again, despite the fact that it'd probably no. be really good and maybe even It'd great. be good, but we don't want to see yeah. it again. And yeah. the Bailey matches last year, I felt really yeah. underdelivered. <laughs> and uh, her and Rhea is at least interesting and new. Yep. And I, I would be all for it. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Hopefully that is the case. The men's Royal Rumble match, Steve Cook, Brock Lesnar wrecked a bunch of people. Yes, he, he did. He, uh, he danced to MVP's music. Mm-hmm. Which was great. He saw Keith Lee and said, "Who's this big motherfucker?" That's pretty good. I like that. And then our boy Drew eliminated him. Yes, he did. Yes, he and did. Not only, and not only, and balls. But not only did Drew eliminate <laughs> him, but Drew went on to win the whole thing as well. Yes, which he did. I was. Yes, did. I honestly thought that if somebody like Drew eliminated him, someone else might win, so he could set up the two matches at once. But I, I'm not going to argue with it. You underestimated Drew McIntyre's uh, intensity and his integrity. I underestimated WWE's booking of Drew McIntyre through up yeah. this point because it's been shit. <laughs> yeah. But the fact That's is. That's fair. I'm not going to blame you for the that. The fact is, Drew not only eliminated Brock, but he won the match, which, yes. first of all, I love. Your thoughts yes. on Drew winning before we hit something else? I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm a big Drew McIntyre guy. I have been for a long time now, and uh, you know he he kind of he had the thing going for a while. You you might remember back in 2010 where Vince McMahon said he was going to be the chosen one. He's going to be the next guy to come along, and uh, things kind of went awry, if you will. Well, the problem <laughs> was is they anointed him the chosen one, and that always fails. See, that's a problem right there. That you, when you anoint somebody choice, the chosen one, that's that's right up there when you add the new. In yeah, front of right, an right old name. There. It's like when you say, hey, here's Roman Reigns. Same thing right there. Everybody kind of did not want to buy into that. And Drew had some difficulties. He was part of 3MB for a while. He went down to the Indies. He went to the Indies and he found himself. And he became a fucking kick-ass professional wrestler. And I have no problem with this guy winning the Royal Rumble. I have no problem with this guy being Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I have no problem with this guy doing anything, honestly, because, I mean, is he not everything that WWE wants that professional wrestler? He I mean, is. the guy, he's big, he works he's well, tall. he's big, he's tall, he's a good-looking, he's a good-looking guy, hair. let's be honest. A, a great hair, great facial hair, great physique, just a good-looking guy, let's be honest, okay? Guy looks good. I mean, you know, Shawn Michaels for 20 years kept the Sexy Boy theme song, and a lot of these years it wasn't really accurate. Drew McIntyre's a good-looking guy, right? I wish they would go back to the old Drew McIntyre theme music, though. The Broken Dream? Yes. Yes, yes that, was a good, that was a good theme song. I do like his current theme, but I, I hear what you're saying right there. I hear Chan's good stuff, but uh, yeah. I'm all behind this push. I am behind Drew eventually kicking the shit out of Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I'm all about that. I want to see it so hey, he should get the shit out of Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. He should. I'm telling you, dude. I said I would love nothing more than to see the bell ring, Claymore, that big motherfucker, and just pin him. Put this dude yes. over. He's got he's got the countdown gimmick too. Three, two, one, bam. Yes. Yeah. Claymore, the motherfucker. Boom over. I like it. I'm all about Drew McIntyre. And, you know, when I did the uh, a cheap plug here, we have the Factor Fix tournament going on 
you know, the factor fiction thing going on in the tournaments. And one of the questions was, uh, could somebody without a, a North American accent get over as a, a uh, mainstream popular guy? Yeah, Drew McIntyre can. Why not? God damn, why couldn't he? I think Conor so. Conor McGregor did, right? Yeah. Conor McGregor has gotten over pretty well mainstream. I right? made hundreds of fucking million dollars. I'd call that over. Damn right. <laughs> damn right. So let Drew McIntyre do whatever he can. I, I'm all about it. So All about that stuff. So besides Drew winning, which is obviously a huge deal in eliminating Brock, I think the other big thing is uh, Roman beat King Corbin early in the e- evening, but he did not win the Rumble. No. Um, I think a lot of people we, uh, we talked about, we thought Roman was a possible choice. But the biggest news out of the Rumble, Steve Cook, was, as we talked about on the preview of Possibility, the return of Edge. Yes. First of all, what, what were you thinking when he finally came out? <laughs> well, I was, I got to tell you, I was not surprised because, uh, you know, people haven't been saying for a long time. And he had been denying it for a long time. And the more he denied it, the more I thought, yeah, he's going to be there. The more he denied it, I thought, yeah, he's going to be there. He'll be there. He'll come out. And they fucking botched the first time he came out. The first move he did, they didn't show it. Like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you people? What was that? How do you not show the first fear he does? That's terrible. That is terrible. Come on. Yeah, yeah. How you? I mean, and I did that. In, that's in the botch column coming up this week in four one media.com. Like, how do you fucking mess that up? What are you doing? Well, WWE, are you not watching the show? WWE loves their doing? fifty-seven camera cuts in thirty seconds. Man, it's horrible. and and Dolph Ziggler's fucking pissed too because you know Dolph was happy to take that spear and he, he thought this would be a big moment for moment for him. But no, they went and showed some fucking asshole in section three thirty four looking the camera like, What are you doing? The the best What's... the thing that made me <laughs> laugh the most is after the rumble and after I did the podcast, I went and um was watching part of the uh, WWE watch along for that. And I, I, I skipped <laughs> ahead to the rumble. <laughs> I skipped ahead to the rumble and when Edge comes out and they're all losing their shit and he yeah. comes out and then they miss the spear and Xavier Woods yeah. loses his fucking I'm shit. I'm sure he it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would. <laughs> See, like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Yeah, but I mean... Uh, what is wrong I, I mean, with you people? Obviously, Edge is back. Um, the dude looked in great shape. He did. Um, I I think he, you know even like even my wife mentioned because I showed her because you know, she was she was a big Edge fan and like Hardy's fan and all that stuff, and whenever something cool happens, I show her and yeah. he came on and first her first reaction was he looks like he's about to fucking cry. I'm like yeah I know right. He did. I'm like yeah, he, he he's did. happy to be yeah. back. And then her second thing was Christ he's in good shape. And then her third thing yeah. was you know he actually looks good with some gray in the beard. There you go. And then I looked at her. I'm like, well, you know, he's like fucking 46, right? And she's like, holy shit. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, but uh, I mean, he he looked in good shape. And Kevin and I talked about. It. I mean, it's a little hard to judge based off of the Rumble appearance because it's not yeah. like a one on one match. No, it's not I, a wrestling match. I, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked pretty crisp, all things considered, after being away for nine years. And um, I mean, yeah, it's um, it's very much a cool moment. And what he did looked fine. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fine for what he did. It was fine. I have no problem with that at all. And the only problem I had with the whole thing was, you know, Kevin Dunn fucking up the 
direction. Like, how you miss this first fucking spear and ten fucking... How you do that? What are you doing? What is wrong with you? That's terrible know. direction right there. Is, oh, God. So. I would fire that man right then there if I was... If I had any direction... If I, if I was uh, Vince or Shane or Stephanie or somebody, I'd fire that guy right then there. Like, get the fuck out of here. Is what I would say. So... Um, so all, that's all I would say about that. And then, of course, I mean, I don't think we're. I you had next month. You had the the next night on Monday night, with Edge making his big appearance, and then Randy Orton kind of uh, ruining the whole situation, and kind of destroying the man. And that's going to lead to a match WrestleMania possibly or whatnot. But uh, which I thought got got some pretty good heat. I thought people liked it. I thought people were were properly pissed off. I think it'd be a good piece of business going forward. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what Edge does going forward. Yeah. Uh, by all reports, and I'll, I'll get onto that in a minute about the, the match with Orton coming up. But, uh, so uh, by all reports is he signed a three year deal rough, uh, roughly worth 3 million a year where he's going to wrestle approximately three times a year and make multiple appearances. Yeah. And um hey, you know what, man? He's forty six. He he came back. He's apparently cleared to come back and all that. <laughs> Listen, if at age forty six you can lock in nine million more dollars for your family, good on him. You know why he's cleared? <laughs> because somebody else was talking to him. <laughs> I was gonna bring that up as well. And here's the thing, people were like, Oh, everybody's gonna say they just re signed him because AEW wanted him. I'm like, Well that is probably a big part of it. Yep. <laughs> You again, here's the thing. John Moxley goes there and all of a sudden John Moxley became like the biggest star in wrestling. Yeah. And WWE was like, we just had that guy. What happened? Yeah. And you don't want me is not the biggest star in wrestling. Yeah. So it's like, so you don't want someone else going in there. I'm sorry. I think it was a reactionary signing, but Hey, he's back. He's happy. He's going to make some money. As far as the match with Wharton goes, I saw a lot of people shit on it right away. And sure. listen. Because it's Randy Orton. Well, here's the thing. I, I'll tell you this. I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen Randy Orton properly motivated in years. Yeah. I haven't seen Randy Orton have a great wrestling match in years. But he and Edge are friends. Yep. And the thing is, this is going to be Edge's first singles match back. And yeah. I'm sure Edge had a ton of say in who his first opponent was. And he probably trusts Randy Orton with his life. Sure, and I uh, think that's that's why it's probably that's why he said Randy Orton. Exactly, and the thing is, Randy is, and I don't mean this in a negative thing. Randy is not exactly a high intensity, hard hitting worker. He's not a dangerous worker. He's gonna take care of Edge. They do have history with the rated RKO thing. I agree with you. I thought the angle on Monday was great. Thought yes, it, was it was easily the best part of the show. Edge given a great babyface promo. Orton comes out. They they quickly tease the rated RKO reunion, which does remind me. I did crack up in the in the Rumble when they cleaned house and went face to face, and Orton looked at him like, "Damn, you're fucking shredded." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just, but I mean, I thought that that was all well done, and then Orton obviously comes off like the biggest asshole. They get great heat for the attack, and I just yeah, I think it all worked out well. And, I mean, I'm sure he's going to work really hard for Edge because he's going to want Edge to have a really good match coming back at Mania. Sure. And absolutely. I'm sure Edge is going to work his ass off. Probably be better than I a mean, lot I of people think. I have no doubt about that. 
But I understand why he would pick Randy Orton. So I'm not going to shit all over it because, again, yes. like when you come back from an injury like that, I'm sure Vince is going to be like, listen, who do you want to work with? Because obviously yeah. he's not going to throw Edge in there with Brock to take 19 Supers. <laughs> He'd not come out there and Brock Lesnar part in the Royal Rumble. He'd not do that. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, hey, man, Edge got a good deal. He seems happy to be back. And, uh, hey, interesting night. We had husband and wife there with him and Beth working the Rumbles and uh, Zelina oh, Vega God. and Alistair Poor Black Beth working the Rumbles. Phoenix. Jesus Christ. Got her fucking scal- – she almost got scalped there. Jesus. Yeah. They had to keep her out there. She says she could work with Santina Morella. Like, what the f- – what the fuck was that? Shit. It was shit, Steve. What the fuck was that? Come on. That is yeah, – A bullshit. waste of a spot when you have 900 women under contract. They had to keep her out there so she could work that gimmick with that with Santina. Oh, God damn, that pissed me. that pissed me the fuck off. I'm not gonna lie, that pissed me off. I hear you, dude. <laughs> yeah, so it really did. So that was a rumble, you know. Good okay. show. Um, did you catch uh, any worlds collide? I did. I I unfortunately I gotta tell you that I watched this show on Sunday afternoon, and I caught on Sunday afternoon after I heard that Kobe Bryant passed away. So I gotta tell you, I was I wasn't really feeling it. You know, there's a you know, it's a kind of a somber mood for me, to be honest with you. I understand. Kind of a somber mood, and the the show that I was watching didn't really bring me out of it. So, I mean, the 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 guys were working hard. I will give them credit for work. They were working hard. They're doing some good stuff. They're trying really hard. But for me, you know, the mood I was in at that point, it didn't really hit home with me, to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. It, it just didn't help, hit home with me. I noticed that the, the uh, main event with Imperium got one guy injured, and they still won, so that's pretty good for them. like that. Pretty good stuff. Walter doing some stuff. He had the... He had the 205 live cruiserweight may have uh, the cruiserweight title changed hands with uh, Jordan Jordan Devlin, right? Yeah. Yep. Some big stuff there. And uh, I got to tell you the opening match with uh, Finn Finn Balor and the guy the Russian guy. I got to that didn't hit that didn't hit home. I don't know. Uh I know a lot of people were kind of torn on that one. Like general consensus like Really good wrestling match with no heat for Ilya because yeah, nobody knew who exactly. he was. Exactly. It was a good match. It, there's no heat for the guy who's facing Finn Balor. The uh, The only guy the, the fans knew there on that show is Finn Balor. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't think that worked. That was a bad, bad booking decision from what I saw. But, uh, you know. And I I hate to get I, – I mean, I, I mean, I, did, I didn't hate the Rhea and Tony match. I didn't hate the main events. I didn't hate a lot of stuff they did, but to me, you know, when, the move frame mind I was in, I didn't, I didn't really feel it. No. I just didn't really feel it. General consensus on Tony and Rhea was it was like a low-level good wrestling match that couldn't be anything more because nobody bought into Tony winning and just... Yeah. It was yeah, just kind of there. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Nobody thought that Tony's a win title. Yeah, it is what it is there. I do want to give you credit for uh, the uh, NWA Hard Times prediction, Steve. You mm. you nailed um, Eli Drake and James Storm winning the tag yes. titles. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. They got the win over the, new, the Rock and Roll Express and over the uh, the Strictly Business Fellas. And uh, 
you know, and and while they won, they still put the Rock and Roll Express over as being, you know, you are the personification of this championship. They still put them over, you know. That's like you guys are great. They know, yeah. but and then I I watched the NWA Power this week, and uh, they're still rolling along. And as I said on Twitter, Larry Zonka, and I knew you agree with me, the uh, the promo at the end of the show, the sit-down interview slash uh, conversation with uh, Nick Aldis and Marty Scroll, that was fucking awesome. Yes, and that's a, actually awesome. a great segue, Steve, because we're going to talk about Marty Scroll next. Marty making yeah. big moves this week. He showed up at one of the New Japan USA shows, uh, yeah. officially laid out a challenge to... Uh, Jay White for the Supercard of Honor show over Mania Weekend. There you so, go. Uh, R.O.H. Booker, yep. Marty Skrull doing big things, and then he appeared on uh, NWA Power. Before we get to the main event promo, I do want to also say Nick Aldis's early show promo was also really great stuff. Uh, Nick Aldis. With Sean Mooney? Yes, yes. sir. Yes. Yeah, Sean Mooney being back in wrestling in 2020. Love it. Again, I love of, it. One of those things, again, you thought you wouldn't be talking about in 2020, <laughs> but here he is. Um, and like, yeah, but, uh, he was good in his role, but Nick, again, a great promo opening the show. He's quickly turned into one of the best promos in wrestling over the last year or so. And I gotta then, tell you that I think Nick Aldis is the second best champion in wrestling right now behind uh, Le Champion. <laughs> I think it's fair. Yes. Yeah, he's, I think he's, Chris Jericho is number one. Nick Aldis number two. Is where, well, the where the best right part now. about Aldis is, is he... He does feel like an old school 605 Turner yes. Television NWA champion. Yes, he does. I love what he comes out in the custom suit. He sets the belt on the interview stand. Yes. And then when he cuts his promo, it's just, he's great. So, yeah, I love that. And then the big show closing promo, which was the other thing we wanted to talk about, obviously, was him and Aldis having their big sit down meeting. And the stipulation coming out of uh, hard times was that. Nick Aldis beat Marty's or uh, beat Flip Gordon, which meant he was yes. going to call all the shots in the feud with Marty going forward. He's a dealer. That's right. So they laid out the big promo, mostly Nick Aldis talking, talking about how it was his match with Marty at the Crockett Cup that led to Marty getting so popular last year and getting his big deal. And then basically, Marty was trying to get his title shot. Aldis was, you know, I already beat you. He ended up asking to the request. And uh, he agreed to the NWA title shot. We're going full full circle with the Crockett Cup like I thought, Steve. Yes. But the gimmick is that Aldis would give him the title shot, but would only agree to it that if Marty had something to lose, and that is if Marty loses, he quote-unquote has to refund all the fans in attendance their money. Yes, that's Which is right. a tremendous old-school babyface uh, stipulation. <laughs> Yeah, to refund the fans their money, but I thought I thought that Mario Scarl is great in this as well because, I mean, even though Mario Scarl has, I mean, they admit in this promo that he's had a lot of he gets a lot of money right now that he's uh, you know people offer him a lot of money, but he has not been the world heavyweight champion. And that eats at him. That eats at him as a professional wrestler. That your top goal should be the role that being the world heavyweight champion. So I thought I thought that's great. That's just a great piece of business all around. 
Yeah, I, I really like that as well. And just, uh, again, the yeah, opening... Yeah, I mean, people said that, I mean, yeah, Marsh Cole's going to get all this money offered to him. It's like, oh, that's great, you know. But Marsh Cole is like, well, that that that's all good. And I'm all happy with that. But I still want to be the world's heavyweight champion. I've never been that. That pisses me off. It does. So, good stuff. Yeah, so I, I liked, um, again, the promo work from Nick Aldis at the beginning and the end. Really great stuff. Him and Marty was really great. Um, good stuff to close the show. And I I like that they're already hitting hard to promotion for the Crockett Cup, which is taking place in April. Yeah. Um, they're teasing a bigger venue. They're not going to be They're teasing a the bigger studio. venue. They have not announced a bigger venue yet. We'll see what it ends up being. We'll see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if it's center stage. Um, mm. I mean, because it's not a huge venue, but it's like ROH has run TV tapings there, old WCW home, so NWA yeah, be territory. It'd be easier for Marty to pay off that venue, too. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You don't want to go to a big arena, you know? Yeah, we don't want to be going to the old Omni, you know? <laughs> yeah, the Omni. Oh, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, some really great work from those guys on that show. Um, I, I enjoyed Power overall, especially because of the promo stuff. Good promos from Drake and Storm on the show as well. So, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Eli Drake, if you will. And, uh, of course, we all love Stu Bannis, commentator, if you will. Stu is Just really good. He really is way too good. He really is. So Really enjoying him on commentary. But uh, So that is a, that's our quick news roundup for the day, Steve. And I, we, it's a lot yeah. of stuff I felt we should talk about. Get it out there, but uh, we need to get into AEW Dynamite for January 28th, 2020. We started off our show, Steve, with a rare in-ring promo to start the show. Yeah, we had uh, good old John Moxley coming out. One-eyed John Moxley coming out. Yes, the the legend of the one-eyed Moxley. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And uh, they were in uh, they were in Cleveland. Moxley's from Ohio, so obviously everybody loved them. From down uh, south in Cincinnati, but close enough, I suppose. You know. Yeah. So uh, he uh, says it was around the time that he got stabbed in the eye that he realized that the time for fun and games were over. At Revolution, he faces Jericho for the championship. Uh, he knows Jericho is his final obstacle, but he has more than Jericho to deal with. Um, he has to heal with uh, deal with the entire inner circle. Um, you know, and he's talked about how Jericho is basically a bastard. He stole Ray's mask and punched a woman in the face. That's <laughs> so, true. The old uh, HBK angle. But uh, yeah. Moxley says he knows he's not a hero, a role model, or a saint, or necessarily a good person. But he yeah. lives he lives by a code, and that is that money in the championship uh, can't buy him. Jericho is a liar, manipulator, and a bully. In Revolution, he's going to look down the barrel of the gun, and he won't hesitate. He will take Jericho out. Take the championship, and there's not a damn thing Jericho who can do about it. He knows That's he, right. knows he's going to have to watch his back because um, of the inner circle, but instead of waiting, he wants to whip Jericho's ass right now and calls him out. The champion yeah. arrives, says Moxley earned a spike to the eye because all he had to do was join him in the inner circle, but now he's a busted-up, cracked-up Captain Jack Sparrow, <laughs> which I <laughs> laughed at. Yeah. Says, uh, you're stupid. He saw Moxley's mom backstage, said she was looking good. Tease has given her a call. Yeah. And then he That's said right. uh, he wouldn't apologize to her because, again, it's all Moxley's fault. You want to challenge me? It is. You can't even blink both eyes, but you want to fight. Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland doesn't deserve this. Uh, he always yeah. travels with the inner circle. And he was right about the Cleveland thing, obviously. That is very um, true. 
Very true. He's says he always, always yeah. travels with the inner circle who arrived. Moxie says there's five of them, but he won't walk into a five-on-one beatdown. He was born here in Ohio and has the entire arena to back him up. That's he- right. Headed up the ramp, Jericho called him stupid, and then they brought out some street thugs that were brought in by Santana and Ortiz. Yeah. Which took the odds to 10 to 1. And yeah. uh, Moxley, Moxley ended fun. up taking out Ortiz, DDT'd him on the floor, <laughs> charged the thugs. We had the big security breakup. Moxley left through the crowd to a big pop. Uh, a rare opening promo on Dynamite, which, again, I'm fine with every once in a while as long as you don't do it every week. Yeah. I thought uh, Jericho and Moxley were both pretty great here. I thought it was a good way to continue the build to the pay-per-view while keeping them apart because they didn't have any interaction. I think I thought it worked out pretty well too, from a uh, fan standpoint. From you know, from somebody trying to flip back and forth between AW and XT. When you see John Moxley talking, that's pretty good. You see Chris Jericho talking, that's pretty good. So I thought I thought it was, I thought it was a good, good good piece of business right there. And I also really liked that not only was Moxley not a stupid baby face. But at the no, same, he wasn't. But at the no. same time, he also wasn't made to look like a complete superhuman beating up ten guys. No, he he beat up a couple guys, and security came down. They took care of business. And there's some nonsense going on, but uh, yeah, he didn't run through everybody and Chris kickers Jericho's ass and you know stop him in hole and make it dry. You know, it, it's fine. Yeah. I thought it was good for what for what it was supposed to be. I thought it worked out. Yeah, and I think most importantly, you didn't have him and Jericho brawling for no reason already. No, we still have weeks to build. They never touched. Yeah, they in touch. Uh, There was a video of MJF arriving at the butcher's um, slaughterhouse, paying off the bunny. (laughs) Big wad of big wad of cash, which led to the young bucks facing the butcher and the blade. Big wad of cash for the bunny. Yes, sir. We had the bunny at ringside while MJF and the Wardlow went up the commentary. <laughs> MJF bearing the Young Bucks on commentary, claiming that they say that they're good Christian boys, but they're such marks. The only Bible verse they know is Austin 316. It's probably true. <laughs> so, <laughs> to be honest, um, it's probably true. Young Bucks defeated Butcher and the Blade just under nine minutes via pin. Thought they had a good little tag match, the right winners. I thought the Bucks were good baby Fine. faces. They gave Butcher and the Blade a lot of offense. And then uh, we had a bit, yeah. we had a post-match angle, Steve, where the Butcher and the Blade attacked again, but Kenny Omega made the save. Adam yep. Page trailed behind him with a beer in his hand, literally right. said, hold my beer, and handed it to Matt, hit a buckshot, right. hit a buckshot lariat, took his Damn beer right. back, and left. Damn right. <laughs> Adam Page like, hold my beer, took care of business, and left. That's what you need to do. That's what you need from that guy right now. Because that's what people want to see from Hangman Page right now. Adam Page, they, they, they want to see it. It's like, hold my beer. <laughs> he takes care of business. It's good stuff. He good is, stuff. He is like the hero this. we deserve, Steve. He's he the is the hero we, we deserve. Absolutely. So I uh, like him. I, yeah, Page. I like that though because it continues the stuff with uh, the Bucks and Page and Omega to where yeah, and then, you know, Bucks were probably same. jealous of the guy. I'm sure they were. They're like, what the? Uh, how dare he they're, come they're, to our rescue? But they're kind of <laughs> all on the same page, but they're not. Yeah, they're kind of—they're not. I mean, he is. Uh, I mean, he came to their rescue, but at the same time, it's like, how? How dare he <laughs> come off as best as best he could while we're still looking like assholes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, next, next up, Steve Nyla Rose defeated Big Swole eight thirty-five via pin. Your thoughts? 
It was a decent match. Uh, I mean, like most of these AEW women's matches, it was a decent match, if you will. If you will. I mean, I was kind of... Uh, I got to tell you, he's looking at their channel at this point, to be honest with you. But I think Big Swole has a lot of potential. Yeah, I like her a lot. Um, I think she has a lot of potential going forward. I don't know about uh, Nyla Rose's potential, but uh, I mean, I think that's kind of fifty-fifty. Uh, I thought Nyla, I think that I think that Big Swole is a girl that's a lot of potential going forward. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, solid, a little rough at times. Obviously, the idea was to put Nyla Rose over as the top contender. I thought overall, though, if I was trying to just judge performance-wise, I was more impressed with Big Swole, and I agree with you. Yeah. I think th- there's just something about her, like, overall appearance and, like, uh, charisma, facial expressions that, like, she pops off the screen a lot for me. And she is a lot better in the ring, too. I yeah. think I think that her offense is more believable, too. So. But uh, yeah, I like her a lot though, and um, but yeah, it was it was solid. There was nothing wrong with it. A little rough, um, and yeah, we talked about it a lot. Still a lot of work to be done on the AEW Women's Division, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, there's no Shotzi Blackheart in this match. Yeah. Next up, we had uh, we'll get to her later. <laughs> sure. We had uh, Cody versus Chris Sabian. Uh, Cody Kip Sabian. Yeah, and uh, what did I Not say? Not Chris Sabian. Oh, Chris sorry. Sabian is on a different yes, show. Yes, Kip Sabian. My fault. I want to see Cody and Kip Sabian. I I would like to see Cody and Chris Sabian. That'd be a pretty good match. I'd rather see Cody and Chris Sabian after this. Absolutely. So uh, Cody defeated <laughs> Kip here at eleven thirty via pin. Um, okay, first of all, I thought Cody was great here. I loved him. Cody tried. He did. Yeah. I thought he was great going murder death kill with the uh, three crossroads at the end. Um, but my problem is the, the, the Kip Sabian character just feels completely overbooked at this point. Um, tons of bullshit with Penelope Ford throughout the match. Yeah. Um, and honestly, throughout his AEW run, he has done nothing to really impress me so far. Other than being with Penelope? <laughs> yes. Um, I thought that... That's very impressive, but other than that, yes. I thought I, the match was you. really average. I thought Penelope Ford... Did her best to be a Dollar Tree Zelina Vega, yeah. but she's not nearly as good as Zelina Vega in her role. And well, I mean, Zelina's got a lot of experience as there too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I thought, uh, that- yeah, I'm with you on that. I got. I mean, it's a tough situation. I thought that this was the kind of the situation where Kip would would have a chance to shine, and uh, I think it's a, this was a test for him. I don't think he passed it. No, I don't uh, think he passed. I thought it was a completely average match, uh, and technically Cody's worst AEW match so far. We've by... seen Cody. We've seen Cody have matches with guys that we weren't sure about. Uh, you know, guys with like Cody versus Sammy Guevara, Cody versus Darby Allen. Yep. And those guys passed the test. I'm not sure that. Uh... Kip Sabian passed that test. Kip Sabian, for me, continues to fail because, like, I go back to when he had that uh, match with Adam Page leading up to the title shot that went 19 fucking yeah. minutes way too long and it was boring yeah. as shit. Um, and just, like, he had a match with Kenny Omega on um, Dark that was, like, technically really good but, like, overbooked again with so much Penelope Ford <laughs> stuff. Um, I just don't have a lot of time for that, and I think I it's, think it's tough to have a bad match with Kobe with uh, Kobe with uh, Cody, Cody. <laughs> Kobe too. But, but it's tough to have bad bad match with Cody Rhodes and AEW. I don't 
that, that stuff to me. I don't see that working. I agree. Yeah. If you can't have good match Cody in AEW, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, uh, next up, we had a promo with Britt Baker, uh, the sequel to her <laughs> promo with Tony Schiavone. Uh, she demanded Tony address her as doctor. Speak so really keep failing tests. <laughs> Says that uh, they were the stars of the show last week and trending. Then she said, yeah, well, she was trending, but Mr. Starbucks was there to hold the mic. She yeah. then ran down Jim Ross for cutting off her promo and says to never do it again. Says that JR only talks about her being a dentist and runs down the new generation while collecting a paycheck. She wants him to be the legend we all grew up on, not a barbecue shilling slob getting names wrong and collecting a fat check. I thought she was supposed to be a heel here, but she was babyface. Seriously, me with this. like what? She's trying to work a face premiere. Like what the fuck? Are you, what the hell? She, I didn't know what was going on. She then, I, I had no idea what she's doing. She, she ran down Riho. Um, she told Tony Savani that he had gingivitis and he needs to pick up a toothbrush. And then, then told uh, Cleveland she can thank them because they finally have a baker they can trust in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, I thought, I thought honestly, um, execution-wise, I thought her promo was much better than the last one. Um, well, that, I, I that think, wouldn't take it much. Yeah. No, I thought her delivery was really good. I thought the content was good overall, despite the fact that she kind of baby-faced on JR. Yeah, but see, I mean, that's the problem there. You, you're baby-faced on uh, Baker Mayfield. It's like, come on now. Yeah. I well, know. I mean, obviously for us, she's baby facing with the Baker Mayfield yeah, stuff. For us, yeah, for us. You know, it's tough to say. Once she, yeah, we have to decide when she gets down to Huntsville, Alabama. That's a, that's when you can decide on this whole situation. But uh, um, no, I thought I thought the promo was uh, I thought overall much better this week, and I'm definitely willing to see where it goes because I think I think she definitely is showing good um, instincts on some of the heel stuff. And I thought overall the execution was a lot better than last week. I know I'm a fan of Bit Britt Baker in general. I mean, you are too. You know, yeah. I mean, she she has she's a, she's an intelligent woman. I mean, you know, she got the she got the intelligence. She's got the the smarts working for her. She is not a Cleveland Browns fan, so we're all, we're all good with that. I think the other thing is too is because from what I've heard, she she has a lot of um, input in what she's allowed to say, and I yeah. think she's also very self aware because she realizes the running joke about hey she's a dentist. She's a dentist. Yeah, that's right. And I, I like that she worked that in there in a totally smarky smart ass way. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I, I appreciate that, and I, I I think it's like we always talk about that like the best characters are when they're more extensions of themselves turned up, and I think that. She knows people are mocking of that, and when you can work that yep. in, that's a smart thing to do. Yeah. So I think I think they'll they'll figure out it eventually. Yeah. It's going to take a little time. Yeah, and that's it's okay as long as it continues to improve. That's that's the thing yeah. that has to happen, obviously. I think should be good. I think I think should be a big Joe Burrow fan. That's what I'm thinking right there. Yeah. Could be. Who who wouldn't be? So, you uh, seen Joe Burrow do something? Uh, he's pretty good. There you that's go. That's all I'm saying. So we had a backstage interview with the Bucks and Kenny Omega. Yeah. The Bucks were talking about how they hope to earn a tag title shot. Drunk Adam Page arrived and gloats about <laughs> being tag team champions and that they just had their nameplates uh, put on the title. Said everybody had nameplates made for them, but theirs are on there before the Bucks, and they gave the Bucks their nameplates and basically said, maybe you'll get to <laughs> use these one day. 
Kenny again tries to uh, Kenny Rub tries to play Peacemaker again. Rub it in, man. That's right. He's great. And then they <laughs> announced next week that it's going to be the Bucks, Page, and Omega versus the Butcher Blade and two of their opponents of their choosing, which we find out later are going to be the Lucha Bros. Oh. So that should be a fun match. And again, they're they're slowly telling the story between the Bucks, Omega, and Page. I'm really enjoying it. I think it's one of the better stories in the company right now. It really is. Dave, that's one of their stories right now. And I've been, I mean, the man who has been talking to me about the Lucha Bros, how they've been kind of putting back burner so far. How, you know, a lot of people the Lucha Bros would be one of the top techs in AEW. And so far, they have not been that way. Yeah, we'll find out. It's, you know, I mean, I. I try to keep perspective as much as possible, and that is including like with NXT. You got Phoenix losing to Joey Janela in a singles match. That, that that's the one that made you go. Hold on a second. What the hell is going on here? Well, yeah, we can obviously. <laughs> when, that's when Phoenix losing Joey Janela, I was like, "What the hell is going on here? Well, that's not right." <laughs> but I mean, I, I try to remember that like with NXT, it's it's a two hour show. There's a shit ton of talent in NXT. It's like you know, you look yeah. at tonight's show, like Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair weren't even on the show. No, they weren't. And you would have thought maybe coming out of World's Clyde and the Rumble that they would have at least had an interview or something. But, I mean, there's so many damn people on the roster. Yep. You know, I mean, it's you can run you can run NXT or AEW for three and four weeks and never see certain people. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people. And, like, this next match we're going to talk about with AEW, we had uh, yeah. SCU, Sky, and Kazarian facing off with yeah. uh, Angelica and Helico and Jack Evans, who are two guys who don't find Dynamite a lot. And that's just... You know, like yep. the Lucha Bros, it's it's a deep tag division. Can't use everybody, unfortunately. So, um, SCU out there paying tribute with Kobe jerseys. Yeah. Good so stuff there. Thought that was cool. Um, Sky and Kazarian won at 10.05. Thought they had a good little tag match with the former champions getting a nice rebound win. And Helico and Jack Evans still struggling to uh, find wins on the, on the big show, though. It was fine. It was fine, though. And apparently they were paying. Apparently, Angelica and Jackins were paying tribute to La Parca with their particular ring attire. Yes, they did. They had the half uh, skeleton outfits on, and they also did at times the little La Parca dance. Yeah, so, so good for good for them. Good stuff there, and they got to work a match, and I had no problem with it. No problem with it. Good stuff. So uh, post match, we got a quick Dark Order promo saying the Exalted One was upset with Daniels. They warned him that uh, they were coming for him, his family, and his friends. It oh, we'll was, see how that goes. Yeah, hey, it was short. It was in and out. We'll see if the Exalted One is the, the possible one people are talking about. Yeah. If it does end up being the Broken One, I think it'd be very, be very good. I think people will definitely be more into giving them a chance. Yes, yes. If it ends up being the broken one to be exalted one, I think people will give it a chance. And for those Otherwise, that, it's been a waste of time. And for those that don't know, the exalted one was going to be revealed on December 18th as Marty Skrull, originally. Yeah, that was the original plan, but uh, plans, went, plans will go awry, That's as right. it will. But, you know, I mean, if plans end up going as they are right now, if it does end up being the broken one, I think that'd be a better situation. I I do too. It'll be interesting to see. But then we got what I thought was a really good pack video package. Uh, It was uh, shot differently, uh, different location, really cool production. Said he uh, still wants Kenny Omega, but he's not going to do things on Kenny's schedule anymore. And said next week he's coming for blood. 
Uh, I just thought he was really great here. I loved the look of the video. And it was different from anything else on this show or NXT as well. It was just very different feeling, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. Anytime blood is involved, it's always a good situation. So get some blood. Uh, uh, then they announced officially for next week. We have uh, Cody taking his ten lashes from MJF. Ortiz versus John Moxley playing off of the um, show opening angle. Yes. Britt Baker versus uh, Yakazaki, who hasn't uh, been back since uh, the summer shows. The Bucks, Page, and Omega versus Butcher Blade and the Lucha Bros, all set for next week. Yeah. So, Private Party came out for the main event, and on the lower third, never got that 12 bucks from Adam Page still. No. No. <laughs> Poor guys. Oh, man. Crazy. Uh, the main event, though, was the inner circle of Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz, who have developed into a really fun trio, facing off with private party. Good old six-man tag to wind up the show, just like, you know, those AAA shows would have six-man tags on the show. That was a pretty good piece of business. Lost people got to do stuff, got to go over. Of course, at the end of the day, you knew that the Chris Jericho had to hit the juice effect. And good God, that, that man... What? Who was that? Uh, Isaiah Casty? Yeah. Who ate that juice effect? Good lord. He got murdered. He was great. He I did, yeah. The, the inner circle picked up the win uh, 12 and a half minutes via pin. Uh, I thought this was the best match on the show. Thought it was uh, yeah. really good. I thought I, I love Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz working together. I think they're a really yeah. fun trio. Thought Darby Allen got the shine here a good bit down the stretch. Uh, Inner Circle dominates as they should right now, which led to a post-match beatdown where they beat the shit out of the babyfaces. Sammy Guevara beat the shit out of Darby Allen with his skateboard, air guitar with yeah. it. And then uh, that led to John Moxley making the save with a baseball bat, clearing the ring to right. stand tall. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff in the show. Good stuff. I thought AEW did a good, good solid job this week, which they've been doing lately with, since they've had kind of the reset after the uh, previous year, they've kind of had, they've kind of been doing some stuff differently. I thought they've done a good job. I agree. Yeah, I don't think it was like a blowaway show or anything. And we'll we'll talk about it a little later when we kind of do the old head. They're comparison. kind of building stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I, build stuff. yeah. So, um, so that will lead us to NXT. Obviously, the same date, January 29th, uh, well, yeah, it was 29th, right? Had to look at the calendar just to make sure. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> just to make sure, yeah. <laughs> so we uh, started off NXT with uh, Finn Balor versus Trent Seven from NXT UK. This was Fallout. One from... half a mustache mountain. Yes. Fallout from World's Collide when Balor attacked Gargano backstage. Mustache mountain yeah. made to save. And then apparently last night, Finn Balor beat the shit out of Trent Seven in the parking lot for getting involved in his business. <laughs> So that's why he went with Tyler Bate, apparently. Yeah, okay, yeah. I saw Tyler Bate get involved. And apparently apparently Finn Balor didn't want any part of that. He wouldn't go against against Trent Seven, which, you know, I don't know. Was 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 a fine professional wrestling match. You can tell Finn Balor is scared of Tyler Bate and afraid of anybody else who had things actually going on. Yeah, um, so Finn Balor... He's afraid. Finn He's Balor afraid. Won. A scared man. Finn scared Balor man. won at uh, 10-10 via pin. Uh, yeah, he yeah he beat Trent Seven, the weak link of Mustache Mountain. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I thought uh, Balor's aggression <laughs> here was really good. I think Trent Seven is still a really underrated, great babyface. 
Uh, you know, you had a good angle coming into it. It made sense. Right man won, but um, I want Balor and Tyler Bate next. That's right. That's what I'm saying. That uh, that Finn Balor is afraid of Tyler Bate, so he would go with turn seven. You know why not? You know I'll go the wake link. I will wrestle Robert Gibson to to avoid Ricky Morton. Is what Finn Balor was saying. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Kathy Kelly. He's a pussy. It's all right. Kathy Kelly interviewed the bros or ways backstage. Uh, Riddle said uh, he can see the uh, love from his bro from another Mo whenever he looks at uh, Pete Dunne. <laughs> and Pete is just so great here because he's the ultimate yeah. straight man with his angry face. That's right. And uh, then Pete's, uh, you know, they said they'll uh, snap the grizzled young veterans if they have to. And when they win, everyone will see that Pete is ready to party. So how do you feel about the whole this whole situation with, uh, with Matt Riddle? I mean, we should, we've all heard the situation, we've all heard speculation, we've all heard the rumors, if you will, about Matt Riddle and Brock Lesnar and all that stuff. How do you feel about that? What are you thinking? I I don't know, dude. It's so hard to figure out what's like actually real and what's a fucking work with that company. Matt Riddle has had a few things before where you're not sure whether that's a work or whether that's a shoot. We all know. Yeah, I, I don't fucking know, dude. I, I really don't. It, it's it's so hard to tell with that company. Cause they... I do. I mean, Matt Riddle's a talented guy. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a role of potential. But I do wish he'd shut the fuck up once in a while. I'm Fair. not going to I just wish I would shut the fuck up. And, you know, not, not you know, don't try to be a fucking asshole all the time. Be like, oh, I could kick a Brock Lesnar's ass. Oh, I could kick Booker T's ass. Oh, I could kick this guy. Yeah, just, just shut the fuck up once in a while. Is all I'm asking. Fair. You know, I mean, if you mind your P's and Q's, I think you'd be fine. I think he's the kind of guy where Vince McMahon will look at him. Uh, sorry, the XT roster goes like, oh, he looks good. But no, he has to be an asshole. I, I, I don't understand it. I'm just honestly, I'm honestly surprised Vince hasn't main rostered him because he's like a fucking, yeah. he's a Von Eric in 2020. He, I mean, if you, yeah, exactly. If Vince looked at the guy, I think he would think, yeah, yeah, this guy should be a main roster guy, but he has to be an asshole and do some stupid bullshit. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't it's know. just, it's stupid. We got a just a minor business. We got a That's video package with uh, like yellow circles and the numbers five, twenty, and two in it, seemingly teasing a February fifth re- return or debut. Uh, thinking Velveteen Dream, I think, Steve. Sure, it, it'd be about time for it. It's been a while since since we've seen the Velveteen Dream, one of the highlights of NXT's, uh, NXT's business. So, hopefully, it is. We hope it is. It'd be nice. Yeah, I do too. Um, so next up, Shotzi Blackheart rode out in a mini tank. Yes. And uh, she, I love to see some Shotzi Blackheart. I do. She defeated Deanna Peraza three twenty five via pin. Yeah, as well, she should have. Short match. It was okay for the time given. Obviously, you can't do a lot in three twenty five. Um, I again, I think Shotzi has a lot of potential once she really focuses on the things she does well and kind of refines her rough edges. Which is right out of a tank and being a badass. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think yes. she definitely has star potential, and I think NXT realizes that too. Because I don't think oh, you're yeah. giving her like a mini tank entrance already if you don't believe no, that. No, that's why she's going over freaking uh, what is her name? Diana uh, Peraza. Diana Peraza. Yeah, I mean, uh, she's a good worker too. But I mean, good lord, this woman! Did you see the uh, 
the the thing I shot last week where Deanna Perazzo attacked Shotzi Black from, from behind, uh, backstage. It's like the most fake bullsh- bullshit of all time. It's sad. Bad cool. shit. Not good stuff there. So good thing that Shotzi Blackheart took care of business, taking out their, uh, Deanna Perazzo, moving on. And I'm big. I, I'm a Shotzi Blackheart guy. I'm not going to lie. I, again, I think she has a ton of potential. She definitely has a different look from everybody on the roster. And I just, like that. Yeah, again, and I think that's important too. But I, I think, again, is like there are certain things she does really, really well. And I would think once she focuses on those things and like some of her basics are a little rough, I think once she smooths those out after working down She'll at the get PC plenty and of time stuff, too. Work exactly. in the, the, uh, the performance center. She'll get plenty of time to work that out. Exactly. But again, I think there's definitely some star potential there, no doubt. She, she has a good charisma about her, too, which also helps. Yeah, so, that always helps. Uh, big Keith Lee arrived, your, your new North yeah. American heavyweight champion. That's right. Talked about ending the Undisputed Era's prophecy, but he was interrupted by Damian Priest. Priest uh, says he, uh, you know, he likes talking about things. And, uh, that wasn't great. Wants, that was a, wants yeah, the title. That wasn't so good. He was yeah, rude. I, yeah, it was rude. And Dijakovic <laughs> arrived, put over Lee as a deserving champion, and then yeah. added that bootleg Marilyn Manson won't be the first to challenge Keith for the title. It's Not fair. Be That's a fair point right there. Yeah. <laughs> So was a I, I laughed at that. That was good. Uh, so that led yeah. to Dominic Dajakovic facing off with Damian Priest. Uh, uh, excuse me, Dominic Dajakovic won eight forty-five via pin. The right guy won. Yes, right man <laughs> won. Uh, a good hossy little sprint with the right winner, and uh, I'm all for uh, Dajakovic and Lee getting a takeover match because they yes. have a they have a good history of TV matches, and I think giving them the freedom on a. Um, commercial free takeover atmosphere could uh, be really great for them. Yes. Especially good for Keith Lee. So. Especially good for Dijakovic. I think that would be a great thing for those two, two particular individuals. And I do think that the more those guys get to wrestle each other, the more awesome it will be. So exactly. all about it. Like it. And Damian Priest slash Punishment Martinez slash where he can get out of here. I don't care about it. I don't care. Don't be rude to bootleg Marilyn Manson, Steve. I'll be, I will be, because, uh, I mean, sweet dreams are made of this. Who <laughs> are we? Just agree. <laughs> uh, Kelly Kelly interviews Tommaso Ciampa about the possibility of being announced as Adam Cole's challenger for TakeOver Portland. Ah, the possibility. Yes. He says uh, Goldie comes home at TakeOver, and he, he will That's make right. sure of that tonight. Came right. back from the commercial break where the Undisputed Era minus Adam Cole were knocked out backstage, and we saw Ciampa... <laughs> Walking out from behind the corner with a pipe in his hand and his shirt all ripped up. Apparently, he just took care of business. Headed to the arena with a table, spray-painted a big X on it. Said, uh, you know, Adam Cole then found the Undisputed Era laid out, headed to the ring. Calls uh, Ciampa a coward. Ciampa says he never lost his title and that uh, he's Goldie's daddy. Demands he uh, comes to the ring and signed a contract for a title match. William Regal rises to say that Cole already signed a contract and wasn't concerned about there who he was going to face. <laughs> Cole snatched the contract, walked down to the ring. Ciampa beats the shit out of him, powerbombs him through a table after being hit with the mic. He was a little bloody from that. Signed the contract, wiped that his happens. blood on it, and uh, stared at Goldie, and uh, shit kind of got real there. Liked it. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Cole and Ciampa, obviously, potentially great match. Looking right. forward to that, and um, we will see what happens in Portland, but that's definitely a great addition to that card. 
because uh, you already have the women's match on there, and then you got Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano, and then later on the tag title match was made official as well. Is there anything else in that show? Why should there be anything else in that show? Usually it's no, five it, matches, man. So there we'll really see. shouldn't be, to be honest with you. Yep. Some good stuff. Good stuff right there. Anytime that Tommaso Ciampa is kicking the shadow ray is good stuff in my book. I like it. So I'm down with it. It was announced next week that our new Cruiserweight champion, Jordan Devlin, will be on the show. Good deal. Yes. Next up, Steve, uh, Tegan Knox defeated Dakota Kai. That, Three minutes and fifteen minutes. Yeah, I gotta tell you, they've been they've been been left that feud for a little while, and uh, that <laughs> that was flat to me. I, she I, she won yeah. when Dakota Kai was gonna get a chair. Candice LeRae made the save, and then Tegan Knox yeah. hit Dakota Kai with a knee brace, hit the shiniest wizard, and pinned her. It's like. That kind of tells you what they think of Dakota Kai going forward, to be honest with you. I guess. Like, I kind of <laughs> hope it's not over because yeah. the booking felt really flat here. Good. And it's like the baby faces essentially healed up and teamed up on the heel for, I, like, I get and revenge. They are both in the Royal Rumble match, and they were near each other, too. So it kind of tells you. It's like, eh, hey, well. This is not a long-term thing for these girls. Which I think is really unfortunate, because I think the, if that's the case, the feud ended Especially way too soon. Especially for Dakota Kai, yeah. Yeah, I think the feud ended way too soon, so it had a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, the match was short. I thought it was okay and energetic while it lasted, but I just... It's fine, The yeah. booking was just weird. Yeah. And... The, I, it, they don't have a... I think it's just that situation where it's like, we don't have, a, we don't have plans for these girls going forward. They the, just don't. The booking continued to be weird, Steve. Yeah. Next up, Caden Carter defeated <laughs> Chelsea Green at three minutes and ten seconds via pin. Chelsea Green, who's been they've been trying to make a big deal out of, signed with Robert Stone, big free agent, yeah. gonna be a big deal heel, and she lost already. First, match. I was a little torn on that as far, because I was, I mean, I didn't really see why that was supposed to be a big deal anyway. I mean. No offense to Chelsea Green as far as her work goes, but we've seen her do stuff before, right? We've Kinda. seen her impact wrestling. Yeah. We've seen her do some stuff in their promotions. She's a girl. She's there doing some things. So I'm not surprised they used her to put somebody else over. And I don't know why the hell Robbie E is here. Why Why, why is Robbie here? E here as a manager? What, what, is, the, what is that? Why? Why is he there? Because they're trying to bring managers back, I guess. Because, yeah, because uh, Robbie, they thought, they did they think he's going to be a, t- a Tony Khan impersonator? Is that what the deal that was there? What is that? I guess. That's a rumor going around. Who the hell That's knows? a rumor. The rumor that somebody went to shoot on Tony Khan and have Robbie impersonate the guy. And uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't think Where it's... Where the hell... You know, your boy, Stokely Hathaway, slash... Whether, Malcolm, Malcolm Bivens, I know, just sitting where the there hell fucking is he? doing nothing. Why, if, you, if you want to bring back managers, if everybody's like, oh, well, NXT's going to try to bring... Where the hell is he? Why is he not doing this doing shit? Doing fucking dark segments, man. He did a dark segment before oh, they went great. on air. I know. That's awesome. Okay, good job. Fucking bullshit. Right. I know, dude. Congratulations. Trust me. I mean, God, why um, why have a dude on there who can cut a promo? God forbid. I mean, Robbie has had wrestling matches before, right? Uh, I don't fucking know, Steve. 
Yeah, I mean, you've watched some TNA shows in the past. I, I, I try to remember. I try to forget a lot of his stuff. So yeah, I know, but uh, it's it doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't understand. No offense to Chelsea Green. I mean, I I like her. She's an attractive lady. She does some good stuff in the ring, but yeah, I'm not surprised she lost to uh, who is a Kane Carter. I, yeah. I don't mind Kane Carter either. I don't mind her. I just She's don't. Fine. I just don't see why you allegedly put the effort into trying to build up Chelsea Green and just have her lose. Yeah, there's no reason for that. Because to me, what it feels like is they're going to sell what is the overconfident heel lost because she was overconfident, and she's probably going to get her fucking win back next week. And it won't put anybody over. Yeah, won't mean a thing. It'll be stupid. Nobody will give a shit. It'll just be another match. Main event of the evening, Steve, the finals of the Dusty Classic. Yeah. The Broserweights defeated the Grizzled Young Veterans 21 times via pin. What did you think of this main event? I like the Broserweights. I do. Good little tag team there. Did some good stuff there. I got to tell you, the thing that pissed me off about this whole thing, because up until this point, actually, it always runs until like 10 or 6, 10 or 8, right? Yeah. They always gone long, so I was looking forward to. Well, you know what? I could just watch the I could watch the AW main event, and then flip over and watch the rest. No, they went off at ten o'clock. What the f- God? What are they doing? <laughs> You're trying people make people not to watch your show. What are you doing? Ugh, I was so pissed uh, off. Got to get that. to that Miz and Misses, man. I was so pissed off when I flipped right over ten o one as fucking Miz and Misses. What the hell are you doing? What the hell? The crazy stuff, but uh, at least I put the right team over, is all I can say about that. <laughs> the Brozerweights, I do like the Brozerweights. Good team right there. I like that. And unfortunately, based on what they did with the, with uh, Red Midrill, Matt Riddle and Royal Rumble, yeah, that's how he's going to get over. He's got to do a tag team. I don't know. Yeah. Good Lord. What, was, what happened there, that Royal Rumble? With Matt Riddle. Got, got, with, got to get uh, King Keith Corbin Lee over, too. man. Keith Lee, too. Keith Lee lasted a couple minutes, and Matt Riddle lasted a couple He lasted 40 less seconds. Like, what the hell? Jesus Christ. What are you doing? 40 seconds and eliminated by the Burger King. Lit, lit, yeah, by the King. What the hell? What was that? What happened? It had to be Brock Lesnar interacting with them, right? Uh, that's, what the hell happened? That's the rumor. Who the fuck knows it has this to be. company? I mean, that's the only possible explanation. Well, I think if it was honestly the Brock interaction that they would have had Brock murder him in like 10 seconds earlier in the Rumble. Nah, well, I mean, if it's a shoot, it's Oh, I'm yeah, unless sure. they were afraid of yeah. Riddle shooting on him. God it was a shoot. Knows. I would like seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see Matt Riddle shooting Brock Lesnar. That'd be more interesting than the WrestleMania May event, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought I thought the main event was really good. Bruiserweights rule. They're so much fun. That's I, a fun day. I, I thought the Grizzly Young Veterans are really good here as well. But for me, what hurt the match from, like for me, like the difference for this being very good to great was that never bought into the Grizzled Young Vets winning. I didn't feel no, there was like a lot no of chance. drama in it. No chance. Very good wrestling match, but yeah, it lacked that extra to take. I never bought them winning match. No, yeah. Never chance to me. So. I'm sorry. I know the XC UK fans might chime in on the all. The Grizzly Young Veterans are just the best tag team in the business. I, I, I didn't see it. They didn't are. see it. So, Steve Cook, that leads us to the head-to-head comparison for the week. I will let you go first. Yeah. I'm going to give it to uh, All Elite Wrestling, Dynamite Show. I thought the six-man tag, the 
and the show is a pretty good piece of business. I thought that the opening match was a pretty good piece of business. They had a lot of stuff going on. I wish it was in some place other than Cleveland because I hate Cleveland. Not big. I know you and me agree on that. Cleveland's a terrible place, am I right? Right. I awful. Awful place to have a wrestling show. Just bad piece of business. But uh thought they did a good job. I think the bookings really got kind of solidified there over the past few weeks. So I was I enjoyed the AW a little bit more. Fair enough. Um, I thought Dynamite was an overall good show. I like the way they're continuing to build the Moxley and Jericho. I love the Young Bucks, Omega, Page stuff. I think that's some of the best stuff they're doing right now. I thought most of the wrestling was good. Um, I didn't think it was good as last week. It lacked a little bit of energy comparative to... They weren't on boat. Yeah. was a problem. But it, it, it lacked a little bit of the energy from the recent weeks, but yeah. I thought it was, again, an easy watch overall. I also thought that NXT was good, but much like Dynamite, um, kind of a step back in its usual quality. There was some good wrestling. I liked the Dusty Finals. Um, I thought they did a good job of solidifying the card for TakeOver Portland, but I was not enthralled with a lot of the women's booking, which is really rare for NXT because that's been such a strong suit as of late. It has. So just rare, um, I, I didn't, yeah, I did not get a lot of that women's booking, Steve. No, I mean, when you give Chelsea Green this big uh, big introductory promo, you give her this big, uh, tremendous manager. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, bad stuff. But uh, that's... Yeah, that, that kind of wraps us up for this portion, Steve. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be back this weekend. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to talk some news. Some TNA. Yeah, some TNA nostalgia leading into their uh, show over WrestleMania weekend and our times covering TNA over the years. And uh, oh, it'll yes. be a good time. So thank you, as always, for your time, my friend. Yes, sir. And A uh, good old Wednesday night as usual. Wednesday night, the best wrestling night out there. I cannot compare any other night of professional wrestling. If you want to compare Impact to it, if you want to try to compare... I don't know. I don't know what else we try to compare to it, but uh, this Wednesday night is professional wrestling night. It really is. So, like I said, we'll be back this weekend, and I will be back in a moment because I will be solo previewing the New Japan New, New Beginning and Sapporo shows. So, I will talk to you in a moment. All right, Ramblers, let's keep on rambling. I want to thank Steve as always for helping me do the uh, the Wednesday night breakdown. A good time as always talking to Steve. I'm going to continue on here with a little bit of solo audio because uh, Steve doesn't follow New Japan as closely as uh, others. And I want to talk a little bit about this weekend's New Japan New Beginning and Sapporo shows. little preview. I will have uh, written previews this weekend. I will have live coverage of both shows if you're up early in the morning and want to join me. I would greatly appreciate that. But uh, let's run down some of the matches that we're going to get here on night one, which is February 1st. Uh, Tiger Mask and Yu Yu Amora are reuniting after their uh, Super Junior Tag League run, which was not successful because Yu Yu Amora took a bunch of losses, which is his job as a young lion. But he showed great improvement in fire throughout, and Tiger Mask was a good teacher for him. They're facing off with the former junior champions, Taiji Ishimori and El Phantasma. Uh, there will be a lot of uh, people that are going to want to hand wave and sleep off this, on this one, and uh, those people, let me tell you, are wrong. 
Uh, Tiger Mask and uh, Uemura were good and entertaining in Junior Tag League. Uemura um, is starting to show real growth as a performer, and Tiger Mask plays his veteran role really well. Ishimori and Phantasmo, uh, actually, you know, obviously former tag team champions. They've had great matches uh, since their pairing. They generally don't disappoint. They, uh, they're they on the outside looking in as far as the title picture goes. Uh, this is an easy win for them on paper. At the very least, should be a good match. There will be some shenanigans, obviously, from uh, Phantasmo and Ishimori. Back rakes, nut stomps, possibly a dick punch. But uh, should be a good match nonetheless. So we move on to our next uh, tag match. We have Makabe, Hanma, and Tohanari facing off with Tenzon, Nakanishi, and uh, Yotasuji. This is the, you know, the dads uh, bring your kids to work undercard match and part of Nakanishi's final run as he's retiring this month after 27 years. Um, that was speculated after he took that bow at the Dome. And um, I think we can all agree that it's it's time for him to, to come to an end. He's put in a long career. He's a large gentleman. He is, he's slow. He's beaten up. He's tried. He's worked really hard, but it's time. Um, obviously you could go either way with his team winning or his team losing. Ideally, I hope he wants to go out like Lager. Uh, and I hope he wants to put somebody over. And obviously it would be great if, uh, Hinari could pick up a win over him in this match. I will go with team Hinari here with the hope that he picks up that win, which will be important for him because I'm hoping for some, uh, not huge things, but I'm hoping for a bigger year in 2020 for Hinari. I think he, uh, has worked hard and deserves it. Next up, this is one of those tag matches uh, thought I'd never see. Will Ospreay, Sho, Yo, and Taguchi facing off with Zack Sabre Jr., Desperado, Kenamaro, and uh, Doki. And I actually have the wrong graphic here. It fooled me. Anyway, um, I thought this was a different match, but here we go. So we're getting into the, uh, the kind of the business end of the card here. This match is setting up. Uh, Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, for their title match, as well as Rapongi 3K versus uh, Despian Kenamara for their match. So we're building up title matches, a fine undercard match for that. There's, there's good talent in here. Um, the mentioned pairings will be featured throughout. You have Taguchi and Doki in there who can easily take their uh, pins. Um, but I think that um, I think that the heel Suzuki Gun team will take the win here because. Um, I think they're going to want to get a little more heat on Despi and Kenamara. So we'll see what happens, though. But it should be good. Um, probably a lot of heel shenanigans, as always, but what are you going to do? Next up, this one looks like a blast. Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi facing off with Ryu Lee and Robbie Eagles. And this is the big preview for Hiromu versus Lee, which is happening later in the tour for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, it's also interesting because Hiromu and uh, Lee are, they're lightly aligned through the vast array of Ingobernable stables. So you have to factor uh, that in on the, you know, have to kind of factor that in to see how they play, but they are going to be opponents again. If you remember on the road to the Tokyo Dome shows, Robbie Eagles pinned Hiromu Takahashi. So that's something you need to remember. Uh, this should deliver, should be a lot of fun. Bushi's good, especially in tags. Robbie is really good and also has been thriving in tag team matches. Uh, Hiromu and Dragon Lee, Ryu Lee, whatever you want to call them, are amazing performers in their own right. Uh, this has like kind of low-level show-stealing potential for me. I think, 
Uh, Dragon Lee and Robbie are going to win. And um, I think that the best play here would be to have Robbie Eagles pin Bushi because uh, then you keep him strong as a viable challenger for Hiromu considering he already has that pinfall against him. That's what I would do. Again, we are in the business portion of the card. We're building towards more big matches. A rematch from New Year's Dash. Naito and Sonata facing off with Kenta and Jay White. As I mentioned, the rematch from Dash where LIJ picked up the win um, as uh, Sonata pinned Jay White in the match, but then they got laid out by Bullet Club. This led to um, Jay White making the challenge, excuse me, and uh, Kenta obviously officially making his challenge after shitting on Naito's Wrestle Kingdom moment. Um, so we're setting up those singles clashes for later in the tour. The, the Dash match was good, but... Obviously, they weren't going full speed because they just worked the two-day Wrestle Kingdom Spectacular. I think this one will be better. Um, they, they will all have had some time off. They'll be hitting their final build to the big matches, and I think they're going to want to impress here. I'm going to go with Bullet Club getting the win since they lost the first one. And uh, yeah, definitely has a chance to be good to really good. Here is the match I was thinking about earlier, a match you thought you'd never see. Tai Chi and Minoru Suzuki facing off with Big Kaz Okada and John Moxley. Now, I mean, this is really interesting because Okada and Moxley looks really fun and interesting on paper. Obviously, a first-time team. Tai Chi and Suzuki have tagged together a lot, obviously, being members of Suzuki again. We're building up Okada versus Tai Chi as well as Suzuki and Moxley here. Um, we're probably going to see a lot of Taichi versus Okada um, in the ring, as well as the wild brawling from Mox and Suzuki on the floor. Uh, this has potential to be a lot of fun. I think Okada and Moxley will pick up the win, likely via DQ, because I think either Suzuki just totally snaps on him or Taichi busts out the Iron Fingers again. But I don't think they're going to want anybody losing before those bigger matches. I uh, will go with Big Kaz and John Moxley here, and I'm calling the DQ. Co-main event of the evening, a big lads match. Evil versus Big Tom Ishii. Uh, they faced off last year at the uh, Wrestling Dontaku event. I thought they had an excellent match with Ishii 1. Um, but even after that, the interactions continued in the occasional multi-man tags. They were always naturally paired off. And I love a good hard-hitting hoss fight. And at Dash, they kind of rekindled that, and um, that sets up this match, and I, I dig it. I feel Evil really steps up when he gets the chances in these bigger matches. He has great chemistry with Ishii. Big Tom is a fucking bagger machine. He always delivers, and I'm looking forward to this. They're probably going to get 15 to 20. They're going to kick the shit out of each other, and it's going to be great. There have been a lot of rumors that Evil will be getting more of a singles push and spotlight in 2020. With that being the case, I do think that he's going to pick up the win here, getting revenge for that past loss and kind of kicking off maybe some bigger things for him because as much as I want Big Tom to win, unfortunately his role is just to have great matches with everybody and that's pretty much what he's going to do here. So... Um, I'm really looking forward to this. Should be a great match. 
Main event of the evening is another big boys match, another Haas fight. Never openweight champion Hiroki Goto defending against Shingo. Back on day 18 of the G1 Climax 29, Shingo beat Goto. They had a great match. They then had a rematch in the New Destruction um, in Kobe event where Goto got his win back. Had another great match slightly below the first one. They renewed the hostilities at Dash where Shingo and Evil defeated um, Ishii and Goto. They had a great tag match there. Shingo pinned Goto to get his title match here. History tells us that this should be great. But what's the play? Because I'm really torn on here. It's If you have Goto lose the title... Again, he has another kind of a shit never run and loses the title quickly. And you're really pigeonholing the guy as a fucking geek. I would love actually for him and Ishii to be more of a full-time tag team because it would ensure more great matches. It would help that depleted tag team division. But I don't want to see him get ripped off. Let the guy have a bit of a title run. But on the other hand, a Shingo win really appeals to me. Because it gives him his first real singles push and accomplishment. It ensures more singles matches for him, which I am all about. Because he always delivers. And while he's a heavyweight, he's also in that middle ground between divisions where he can really open up the never division for more of an o- the to be more of a real openweight division. Guys like Sho can step up. Other, other juniors can step up. And I just think it would be... Opening that division up for a bunch of fresh matches or just matches we haven't seen a lot of and a lot of fun. So a win for him really appeals to me, but I think that they should give Goto the win here and let him run a little bit longer because like I said, you don't want to pigeonhole him as a total fucking geek, but unfortunately when it comes to Goto, the the G kind of stands for geek and that's how he's looked at, but they kind of... They got to turn that around, I feel. And um, I really think that um, you have to have Goto go over here. But I'm not going to argue if Shingo wins. So that is night one in Sapporo. The next night in Sapporo, we start off with Hanari and Yotsuji in our prelim. Should be an easy win for Hanari. Probably a pretty good little match. Suji's improved a lot. Looks like a movie villain these days. Um, but yeah, it should be a good match. Hanara, again, this is one of those matches he needs to win. He needs to start establishing himself more as a main roster guy as opposed to a young lion that graduated and two years later still living in the dojo or the attic of the frat house, if it were. I hope he does more this year because I like him a lot. I think he's really good. Uh, next up, Makabe Hanma and Uemura versus Tenzon, Nakanishi, and Tiger Mask. Uh, Again, part of the Nakanishi retirement tour. Uh, The usual undercard dads match. Probably not a lot to this one. Uh, The Makabe team has a young lion on it, which makes me feel they are losing. Probably a nice time for Makabe to pick up, or excuse me, Nakanishi to pick up a win here. He can pin you more. It's no big deal. I don't mind him winning a little on his retirement tour, but like I said on night one, I think he should lose to Hanar. A nice, another singles match on this car. We don't always get a ton of these, but we have El Phantasmo versus Gabriel Kidd. Gabriel Kidd is a 22-year-old junior from the UK. He's entered into the New Japan Dojo system, so he's a new young lion. 
And uh, it's time for him to start learning and start eating pins on the main shows. Obviously, Phantasma is the established star here. He's a great asshole heel. He really is and will surely be in prime Phantasma form here. Uh, he should easily take this one. And if he does, hopefully he does it by simply just being better here because... I really don't need Phantasmo doing dick punches and a bunch of other cheating in a match with the Young Lion. This is a match where he's just allowed to be better. Save that shtick for the bigger matches when it actually means something. Uh, this will be my first time uh, seeing Kid, I believe. I've heard a lot of good things about him. Heard some stuff about him from Ian Hamilton. And um, yeah, it'll be good to see what he has in his first uh, major single showing. Uh, Six-man trios action, which I believe is going to be for the titles. Goto, Ishimori, or Ishii, and Robbie Eagles facing off with the never openweight trios champion Shingo Evil and Bushi. Uh, this should be fallout from the, the previous shing- singles matches I mentioned on night one. And uh, I um, I like the match. I mean, uh, I think Robbie Eagles is really great. Ishii is great. Goto can be great. I love LIJ. They always thrive and... A good trios match. There's a lot of talent here. There's no reason that this should not be good to very good. And um, I think that um, Chaos could pick up the win if this is a non-title match. If it's for the title. Because every time I check on it, it seems like it's changing. So if it's a title match, I think that the champions retain. But I wouldn't put be totally shocked if they change the championships here. Especially if, say, Shingo wins the never open weight title. I think that'll be a big determining factor. But unfortunately, I don't have time to wait for the results. That's why we're doing the preview. Gotta go out on a limb from time to time. But I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, and here's, here's a again, uh, one of those matches you thought you wouldn't see. John Moxley, Shoyo, and Taguchi facing off with Suzuki, Desperado, Kenamaro, and Doki. Um, again, extra build for the Mox and Suzuki match, as well as 3K versus uh, Despi and Kenamaro. And um, John Moxley gets to interact with Chaos some more, which is just really fascinating to me because obviously he's been a big loner since he came in. And um, he's teaming with Okada one night, he's teaming with the other lads another night, and it's just, I wonder how that's going to work out. I kind of don't think it's going to work out well because... I think he's going to go on his own. I think we'll see a lot of Mox Suzuki brawling on the floor. And you got Taguchi and Dauki in here, which they can both take pins. But I'm thinking uh, Suzuki Gun might take this one again. I could see Moxley and Suzuki kind of brawling away. And then uh, Suzuki Gun pinning Taguchi. Seems like a good fit. Uh, probably a coin flip overall, but I'll go Suzuki Gun. Uh, we keep up with uh, LIJ versus Bullet Club now. And we have Naito Sonata and Hiromu versus Kenta J. White and Nishimori. This is, again, lead up to White and Sonata and Kenta versus Naito. Fun little setup tag. Um, you know, it's a week. Uh, they have a week to build up to the bigger matches. Uh, and um, this is a good tag to do that. I could see, you know, I think LIJ picks up the win here. I think Ishimori is the guy here to take the pin. Unless they get froggy. And want to surprise us with Ishimori sneaking out a win over Hiromu to set up a title match later on. Wouldn't completely rule that out, so keep it in mind. It is a possibility. But I'm actually going to go LIJ with Ishimori taking the fall. 
business end of the card, co-main event here. Rev Pro British Heavyweight Champion, Zay SJ, Zack Sabre Jr., defending against Will Ospreay. From everything I can uh, gather, and I've done, tried to do a little bit of research, and I looked on Cage Match, this is going to be their eighth singles match since 2015, all of which uh, have garnered very positive reviews. Um, I am all about this match. It's a fresh one for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Zack Sabre Jr. is a great professional wrestler. And in my opinion, Will Ospreay is coming off of an all-time great 2019 as the standout performer of the year. So I expect a definitely a great match here. It'll probably be a pleasant clash of styles, which... I love um, because Zach, for as much as I love Zach, sometimes his matches will feel a little too similar. And Will seems to thrive when he gets pressed into working someone else's, um, working into somebody else's game a little bit more than he's used to. So I think these two are going to really bring out the best of each other. Um, I think Will will be pressuring Zach to step up his pacing and intensity while Zach is going to pressure Will to go to the ground so he can try to dominate in his grappling. One thing people seem to forget because all I want to hear is, LOL, Will is such a fucking flips guy. Will has some grappling and mat mat chops. He's obviously not Zach Sabre Jr., but he can do a lot of cool stuff. He does, and um, they have a history that they can play off of each other. In all honesty, if uh, this isn't great, I'm going to be both surprised and disappointing. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to take a drink. Give me a second. Apologies. So, um, I, part of me really wants Will to win this and get some shine with the championship. But at the same time, I'm not really feeling that title changed. Although, I wouldn't rule it out. If all goes to plan... This is probably the match of the night. Could be one of the best matches of the New Beginning Tour. I'm going to go Zack Sabre Jr. to retain. But again, I will not be shocked if they pull a title change. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. The main event of night two. This is an interesting one. Big Kaz Okada facing off with Tai Chi. If you remember, this started back at New Year's Dash, where Okada, Osprey, and Robbie Eagles and uh, Ish- uh, Hi- Toyoshi Hashi, excuse me, uh, ended up beating the Suzuki Gun team of Suzuki, Lance Archer, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taichi via disqualification when Taichi busted out the old Izuka Iron Fingers, or Ishka, however you want to pronounce it. He busted out the Iron Fingers attacking Okada, and that set the stage for this match. We all know Okada is an all-time great, but that doesn't always mean we're guaranteed a great match, especially here. In my opinion, Tai Chi is a tale of two wrestlers. On one side, we have bullshit heel Tai Chi that stalls all the time, uses all the the tricks and shenanigans, and kind of looks disinterested like he's not trying. That's his heel shtick. It's bad Tai Chi. I have no time for that Tai Chi. That Tai Chi never has good matches. That Tai Chi needs to stay away. But then there's the other Tai Chi. The Tai Chi that wants to fight. That's looking to prove himself worthy. The Tai Chi that kicks ass and has great matches with Ishii. The Tai Chi lovingly referred to as Dangerous Tea. Dangerous Tea is the real fucking Tai Chi. Dangerous Tea is the Tai Chi worth your time. And Dangerous Tea is the only Tai Chi 
I want, and I pray to God that it is Dangerous T that shows up here in this match. Because if we get Dangerous T, this could be great. But beyond the what Tai Chi will we get discussion, I guess now we have to consider who's actually going to win this match. Is it simply a one-match detour for Okada to pick up a rebound win after his Wrestle Kingdom loss and start getting Mac into the title mix? Or is this the start of a shorter-term feud between the two where Taichi wins, picks up a little credibility, and Okada has to do something fresh and step away into the undercard for a little bit as he rebuilds himself, finds his confidence before going back after the championship? With the Naito win and the way that they booked Osaka Joe Hall without Okada, Tanahashi, Ibushi, or Osprey in major singles matches, it feels as if New Japan is looking to mix things up and at the same time take some risks because that Osaka Joe Hall card is taking a risk without those big names in singles matches. So as out of the box as it may sound, and it's probably not going to be clean, I'm going with Tai Chi to beat Big Kaz Okada here in the main event. So that's going to wrap up the New Beginning and Support uh, preview. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed what I did here. Trying to mix in a little solo audio from time to time with other stuff. Again, I want to thank Steve Cook for joining me for the uh, bulk of the show. I want to thank everybody as always. You have been listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, any major podcasting platform out there. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choice, and hit, 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 subscribe on that YouTube channel, baby. Gotta get to the pay window. We need that thousand subscribers. I'd love you even more than I already do. Thank you guys, as always, and uh, keep on rambling, ramblers. Love you guys. Have a good week.